Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host and producer of the show. Our topic today is Prosper and Keep Your Soul. And once again, I am here with the founder and director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Yogacharya O'Brien was ordained to teach in the Kriya Yoga tradition in 1982 by her guru, Roy Eugene Davis, who was a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. She is an internationally acclaimed spiritual teacher, author, poet, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a Kriya Yoga meditation center with headquarters in San Jose, California. Yogacharya O'Brien's latest book, and the one that we will be focusing on today, is The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. You can find out more about Yogacharya O'Brien, her books, and teaching schedule at her author website, ellengraceobrien.com. And the Brian is B-R-I-A-N.com. Um, and also at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment's website at csecenter.org. You can also follow Yogacharya O'Brien on social media, on Facebook. She is at Ellen Grace O'Brien and on Twitter at Yogacharya Live. Oops, Yogacharya underscore live. Welcome once again. Welcome, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm delighted to be back with you on the Yoga Hour. It's wonderful to um, be having this conversation with you and all of our Yoga Hour listeners and subscribers. I welcome you into this uh, time and thank you for being here with us. So before we dive into our dialogue about how to prosper and keep your soul, let's begin something a little different. Instead of our usual meditation, we're going to have um, a few moments of contemplation So let's take this moment out of our busy day and just center ourselves, just, you know, bring ourselves fully present here and now. Our breath is a wonderful tool to help with that. So let's just pay attention as we take a fully conscious breath, as we inhale and exhale. 
not trying to change the natural rhythm of our breathing, but just noticing. With each inhale, noticing the cool air in the nostrils. And with each exhale, notice the warm air flowing out. And then resting in this place of, of being fully present. Here are a few words to contemplate taken from Yogacharya O'Brien's other book, Living for the Sake of the Soul. Here we go. Are you wondering what to do? The universe is divinely ordered. It allows us to fulfill our dharma, the law of our own nature, with the very opportunities now at hand. To discern the divine pattern that wants to unfold, we must see with the eyes of the heart as well as with the mind, with intuition as well as logic. Too often we rely on only one without the benefit that the other can bring. Ask your heart, use your mind, intend to cooperate with the infinite. Once again, Yogacharya O'Brien, it's delightful to be on the Yoga Hour with you. I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that the upcoming ninth anniversary of the show is going to be in just a few weeks. Your first show was on September 23rd, 2010. And today's show is our 312th. In a few weeks, the Yoga Hour podcast will be heading into its 10th year of broadcasting. And we now average uh, 12,000 to 13,000 downloads per month. Our archive is filled with lots of interviews with the top names in yoga, and listeners can check it out at unity.fm slash the yoga hour. So congratulations on this upcoming ninth anniversary. Thank you so much. And thanks for counting up all the episodes and also for coming in and partnering with me um, to keep the yoga hour available. And I want to thank all of our subscribers and also suggest um, that if you're a fan of Yoga Hour and you're not yet a subscriber, um, to do that because that helps make us visible. And uh, we really appreciate that. Indeed. So uh, today we're going to be focusing on your book, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga, which was published last year. And I did want to mention that the book won the Silver Nautilus Award in Religion, Spirituality of Eastern Thought. So congratulations on that award. I don't think we've mentioned that before on the show. Thank you so much. The book really has been well received. It it was a forward Indies finalist. It uh, won an Indies book award as well as the Silver Nautilus. So it has um, sufficient book bling, those little gold and silver <laughs> stickers that decorate it. <laughs> That's great. So you you include a poem in the book that I thought would be a lovely way to open. It's on page 189. Would you share that poem with us? Sure. 
And this um, poem was really kind of a summary of um, the chapter on how to optimize success in your life. And it just came out in this in this way, um, it, it, it sort of a list form um, that is a poem in its own way. To succeed, optimize your life. Sanctify your days. Make a sanctuary for the soul. Build it with love. Light it with peace. Invite everyone in. Make a sanctuary for the soul. Build it with love. Light it with peace. Invite everyone in. Center yourself in yourself. Nourish your body. Open your mind, honor your soul, change your thoughts, and soar beyond them. Mm. I, I just really appreciate that. I love hearing you, you uh, read. So um, you have traveled extensively over this past year, and actually con the travel continues over the next few months giving readings and teaching from the book. And also you've appeared on several podcasts. So um, looking back on this, you know, lat till, you know, from now till last uh, November when the book came out, was there anything that was unexpected for you during this process of touring and teaching about the book? <laughs> well, there are probably a couple of things, you know, one, one was um, my, tendency to say yes uh, to life and um, and so I have have had a very full teaching and travel schedule which has required me to um, really read my own book <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, you know stay very close to the vision of you know what it is to thrive and prosper in a healthy way and to have balance in your life um, because you know travel and outreach is surely one way that balance can be upset and so I have been really on the edge of putting these uh, practices in in into my own life in a very profound way and um, have found it really supportive. So um, it's not only in kind of the, the way that we're living regularly, but when we have a change in our life, um, I found that the principles um, are especially important, you know, especially the ways in which we are um, having a spiritual foundation and then making sure that we have a uh, balance, uh, in the best way that we can do it in the times of change. So there's that, you know, I sort of been called up by myself, um, <laughs> had listened to myself. And, and then the second thing is, that has been surprising, but not surprising, um, is that, you know, the topic of the book is, is about, um, prosperity, about the life goal of Arta, our wealth. And so often, you know, the topics that are put out when I'm going to teach or do a reading, um, you know, are related to that, you know, how to thrive and prosper uh, in the midst of your spiritual life, how to have balance, dynamic balance, those kinds of things. But what I have found is that 
for the most part, when I have time with people uh, on a retreat or at a class, um, that what they're most interested in is Kriya Yoga. <laughs> so, you know, that shouldn't be surprising because that's what I've taught all my life and that's what I carry with me and my heart and my mind and my soul. Um, but I did find that, you know, like it's sort of like the top level is, okay, how do we thrive? Um, which are, is then based on these uh, yogic principles, philosophy and practices. So it's it's not a surprise, but I found that once we got into that, that is where people really wanted to go. They wanted to know more about um, yoga philosophy and practice. Mm-hmm. Yes. And with that, <laughs> so one of the distinctions you make in the book is about true wealth. So what is true wealth and how do we know when we have it? I think that true wealth is our own sense of wholeness, our own sufficiency. You know, Paramahansa Yogananda, and I quote him in the book, said, you know, prosperity is not necessarily having everything that we want. And I think, you know, we all know that having everything that we want is is not always the best idea. Um, but he said it, it's having what we need when we need it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, underneath that is the awareness that we can enter into a relationship with the universe um, that actually will provide what we need when we need it. Um, and that is really the deep core of wealth. And, you know, when I work with people uh, on this topic, of course, we <clears throat> we explore what wealth is. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, get in touch with the many ways that we are wealthy. You know, <clears throat> wealth is health. Wealth is food. Wealth is love and family and relationship. So once people get beyond the idea that wealth is just money, um, <clears throat> there can be a much deeper experience of abundance, which is helpful because um, it's the contraction around I don't have enough that makes it difficult to do the things that we need to do to prosper. Mm-hmm. No, indeed, indeed. Um, and that redefinition, that stepping back and taking a broader you know, look at it, I think is so helpful because I think everyone kind of has this, has the experience if they think about it that, you know, I mean, money, of course, is, is wonderful and, you know, we need it in so many ways. But, you know, if you don't have your health, um, if you don't have these other things in your life, then it's hard to feel um, wealthy, <laughs> truly wealthy. So it, it's true. It, it, it is comprehensive. And, you know, one of the things that drew me to write this book about this Vedic goal of wealth is, um, that money, um, was actually included in the idea of what we need to fulfill our spiritual purpose. So, um, on the one hand, there's a very comprehensive um, understanding of wealth. As I said, it's health, it's relationships, it's food. Um, but the 
teachings say that money is not excluded. In fact, it must be included. We, we need to learn how to gather financial resources in order to do what we're here to do. So many times people have the idea that money is not compatible with spiritual life and spiritual practice, even though, um, you know, many of the uh, teachings tell us that it is, that, that the problem is attachment you know, and of course, thinking that 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 money will solve um, everything in our life, even though we can look around us and see that it doesn't. But um, poverty doesn't either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. so um, I was really impressed that this spiritual goal um, in the four Purushartas, you know, these ancient goals for having a balanced life, a spiritually conscious focused life, you know, dharma, living with higher purpose, artha, um, learning how to prosper, kama, enjoying your life, having pleasure, and moksha, you know, making sure that you're geared towards liberation, towards freedom, that that wealth is um, right up there with what we need to do in, in order to fully express and I believe that we're here to do that. You know, we're here um, not to just get by, but we're here to thrive and to contribute uh, in the most powerful ways that we can. And so financial prosperity um, is a part of that. Um, And I, and, you know, and I've seen so many um, people over the years who uh, have really good hearts and divine ideas um, for making a contribution for doing good work in the world, but they haven't necessarily known how to call forth the resources that they need to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, so this is a learning curve for us, you know, how to do that mm-hmm. um, and how to sort of walk that line between you know, saying yes to material prosperity and not allowing it to become, um, you know, not getting attached to it as the source of our happiness or our security or our success. So um, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful practice. Hmm. So one of the um, many ideas that you talk about in the book is radical prosperity. So what do you mean by this? How can prosperity be radical? Or what is it about, you know, your idea about prosperity that makes it a radical prosperity? That was the first title I had for this book years and years ago when I first started teaching this topic. And I liked it because uh, as a college English major, <laughs> I like words and um, I, I felt that this idea of um, dharmic prosperity, meaning prosperity that is in harmony with higher purpose and is meant to serve higher purpose, which is is what it is in the system, that dharmic prosperity is radical in the sense that it it has to do with the root. You know, the when we look at the the etymology of the word radical, it refers to the root. Um, the root of something, its its fundamental nature. And so um, to think of 
our ability to prosper as contained in the very root of our existence refers to our our divine identity. It's the nature of um, God. It's the nature of life with a capital L to thrive and to prosper and to fulfill its purposes. So we're not separate from that. We share that fundamental rootedness in a divine inclination to thrive and to prosper. And so much about our lives in terms of opening up to prosperity rests on that understanding that life itself wants to prosper us. It's fundamental to who we are. So we don't have to hold so much of a struggling idea about how am I going to do it? It's more, how am I going to open up to Mm. this, um, this ground of being that naturally wants to um, prosper me and my life as I am looking to contribute. And um, I also like the other meaning of the word radical. Um, of course, I you know grew up in the 60s and 70s, so <laughs> radical was a good word, and I still think it is. And um, it, in that sense, meaning revolutionary. And I do believe that our prosperity can be and should be revolutionary, meaning contributing um, to transformation and uh, to change that truly makes a difference. So, you know, when we look at prosperity as a connected to our spiritual life, um, we're not talking about, you know, um, so much about personal um accumulation. We're talking about prospering in a way that uh, contributes to life and helps to make the world um, a better place for others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's such a great context, you know, to hold it within. So as I think you've already kind of referred to, one of the things that many people fear about becoming more prosperous is that they think that it means um, that they're focusing um, on material wealth and that their spiritual um, growth or their spirituality has the potential to suffer, you know, with that. So um, you really, the whole book is about, you know, this, so it's kind of a big question, but uh, how can spirituality and earthly success complement each other so that both help us to the realization of our higher self? Well, I think first understanding that they're not separate you know, that's the big deal, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, like undoing that idea that somehow we have our work life and we have our spiritual life or we have our um, service life in, you know, what we're doing in the world and we have our spiritual life. So the main thing is to begin to undo that idea that spiritual practice is what we do you know, when we go to our meditation center, to our church or temple or mosque, and um, and then we're, you know, out there in the marketplace. So um, that's one of the main things I see is, is seeing that the thread of truth and spiritual um, awareness is through all of those um, areas of our life. Yes. Yeah. In fact, that was the the contemplation. Yeah. <laughs> the contemplation that I read earlier, you know, was really about that. Um, so in terms of um, 
uh, this idea of dharmic prosperity. Um, we've just got maybe about three more minutes till the break. Um, the idea of dharmic prosperity that you've talked about, which I think is one of the really exciting things about the book. I mean, there are, I feel there are so many people who are interested in yoga. Perhaps they've been called to be a yoga teacher or they're in training to be a yoga therapist. Um, and to realize that these prosperity teachings really come uh, through their own tradition, through the yoga tradition, you know, I think is really, you know, is really important uh, that this ability to um, thrive that, as you say, permeates the entire, you know, universe. It's what the universe is, you know, is, is doing or uh, moving towards. Um, so um, I don't know. Can you say more about that, about dharmic prosperity? Well, dharma is, of course, the fundamental order in the universe, and it is um, cosmic law and uh, natural law, ethical law. Um, so it's divine order in all that is. And, and, and so when we talk about dharmic prosperity, we're, we're, we're thinking about prospering in harmony with that divine order. So that means, you know, opening up to the way in which life itself um, is a prospering power. But it also means that, you know, we need to make sure that we get our mind and our house in order, that what we're doing, we're doing ethically, and we're doing uh, to contribute to the higher good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So, um, let's see, we've only got about a minute before the break. Um, I guess I'll do my little, my little verbiage. You're listening to the yoga hour with the host and founder of the yoga hour, Yogacharya O'Brien. She's the author of several books, including the award-winning book we are discussing today, the jewel of abundance, finding prosperity through the ancient wisdom of yoga. That book is available on Amazon.com or from her website, EllenGraceO'Brien.com. That website is also where you can find out more about Yogacharya O'Brien, her many other books, and her upcoming events, which include uh, some teaching that's coming up in um, Italy, which I think is only in a few weeks, and in Germany right after that. And then there will be a swing through uh, Southern California. She'll be down at the Soul of Yoga in Encinitas um, and also at uh, Unity of Tustin. So all those details you can find on the events portion of her website, ellengraceobrien.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at, uni at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the show. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about how we can ourselves become jewels of abundance. We'll be right back. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. 
Welcome back from the break. This is your co-host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo, and I'm here with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. So Yogacharya, I love the imagery in the last chapter of your book, which is titled Becoming Wealth. You write, like a bubbling spring that continually overflows, our life through our awakened consciousness becomes generative, a source of refreshing abundance for others. So let me just read that again. Like a bubbling spring that continually overflows, our life through our awakened consciousness becomes generative, a source of refreshing abundance for others. So this comes from, as you talk about in the chapter, this really comes from the promise of non-stealing, which is one of the yamas or ethical principles that are set forth in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. So will you say more about non-stealing and the promise that goes along with it? The way that prosperity is um, named um, in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra is a little bit mysterious and uh, kind of lyrical. As a poet, I really like the way it's written. It it says that um, for the person who is established in non-stealing, all jewels come to them. And um, so it's it's kind of mysterious. What does that mean? Right. <laughs> you know, first, what is non-stealing? And then, of course, what are the jewels, you know? You somehow you, I, it can the first image that can come is a is a meditator, you know, sitting there uh, in the cave with you know diamonds uh, flying in or something, you know. <laughs> so, well, you know, what does it, what does that really mean? And <clears throat> non-stealing as a spiritual principle is really um, about, you know, living an ethical life. Um, having a correct balance between giving and receiving. Um, you can think of non-stealing also as not cheating, not cheating yourself, not cheating others. <clears throat> and it really comes down to, and when we look at this work on how to prosper, it's a lot about changing our minds you know, the spiritual practice is coming into our own fullness, being aware of our own wholeness and our own, you know, direct connection to the source of prosperity. So we don't see other people as the source of our prosperity. Um, you know, as sometimes people wouldn't think that they do that, but um, it's easy enough to do. You know, you sort of depend on someone else for their support in some way. Um, and then it gets mixed up with the, um, with your own freedom. And, you know, that's really the crux of it, isn't it? You know, or people get in relationships that are not, you know, thriving and supportive because they depend on the other person in some way, um, or they depend on a particular job thinking that's the source, you know, of their prosperity, of their good, um, so this idea of non-stealing is is mm, removing that idea, is coming into your own abundance, your own awareness of your direct connection to the source of all um, prosperity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then that part in the quote uh, about becoming generative. 
So how do we become generative and then ourselves become that jewel of abundance? That's the ultimate goal, of course. Um, but I think, you know, when we get out of the mindset of needing neediness, you know, needing uh, to get, and we understand that we're here to give, um, you know, um, and it really starts with intention. You know, I think each day when we begin our day, um, to have a practice of simply intending to be an instrument, you know, an instrument of peace, an instrument of love, um, an instrument of compassion. You know, these are all divine qualities that are unbounded. And um, so to get out of the mindset of, you know, am I going to make it through the day? <laughs> what can I get today? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to succeed? Um, it's just to open up the vessel and intend, you know, to be a presence of love, to be a presence of peace, and then watch for the opportunities, you know, that the universe um, presents. Mm. Oh, that's lovely. So here's a quote from the book. You write, the quest for true wealth turns out to be nothing less than the search for the self, capital S self, the source of all wealth. Searching for wealth, we discover that there is nothing else that will truly satisfy the heart. Everything else, wonderful as it may be, is transitory, elusive. Is it still important? Yes, definitely. Wealth is the means for fulfilling our purpose and being able to live freely, skillfully, and joyfully. We don't skip that step. So will you say more about this, how the quest for true wealth turns out to be nothing less than the search for the self? I think it's, it's kind of like what I referred to in the beginning of the program when you were asking me, you know, kind of what did I discover on my journey? Um, and I said that, you know, what I found is people were most interested in Kriya Yoga. They were most interested in the deepest teaching about the nature of the self, the nature of reality, um, because that is where our true wealth lies, you know, in our innate abundance so this um coming in to a program to learn to prosper and to thrive and to be successful one of the things that we do is we look at the nature of things um, and all the different forms of um, happiness and success and prosperity um, which are all good um but, you know, one of the things that we see is that there are certain forms of wealth that are temporary and there is a form of wealth that is not. And um, so we learn to make that distinction so that we can enjoy and appreciate and put to good use all those forms of wealth that are changeable and temporary, but remain anchored in our true wealth, our, um, which is being anchored in the divine 
self, um, which is whole and complete and unchanging. Um, so I think one of the best ways, you know, to understand this is, is to, to know that things can only provide uh, of their own nature. Mm. Um, and, and that means that something that is going to change, you know, something that is temporary in that sense, um, can only bring a temporary fulfillment or temporary sense of abundance or happiness. And, you know, that which is not subject to change, which is unconditional, is the only um, thing that can bring uh, unchanging um, uh, abundance. And of course, the only thing that is unchanging is, is spirit is, mm -hmm. is consciousness itself. So that's why our, our quest for true wealth turns out to be the search for the self, because we, you know, none of us want, you know, happiness that is here and then disappears. <laughs> um, we're, we're looking, we're looking for, a. a something that is uh, ultimately stable, but the only place to find that is uh, in our own um, essence. Um, but again, I want to say that this um, spiritual um, <clears throat> philosophy does not say we should shun those all forms of wealth that are temporary. It, it just means to see them for what they are Right. and um, to appreciate them and put them to good use, but don't rely on them as your source. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. <laughs> so you include another quote that I really enjoyed uh, by philosopher and author Jacob Needleman, and that quote is, materialism is not a sin. It's a mistake, but a mistake of immense proportions with deadly consequences, like grasping a picture of food and trying to eat it. Not only meaning, but also health, safety, service, love, and power can be obtained only through turning to reality. Just, just what she said. Um, he continues, the unreal world can never yield these things to man. So I, I appreciated the way that Needleman frames materialism not as a sin, but as a mistake. So would you say more about what you see in this quote and why you include it in the book? Um, well, first I want to say that I think Jacob Needleman is brilliant. <laughs> and he, he has a book he wrote many years ago called Money and the Meaning of Life. And um, it's, a, it's quite a good book. And... Uh, <clears throat> So I think this this really um, just underscores, you know, what I just said about the temporary nature of um, things that are fleeting, you know, subject to change that can't be the source of our prosperity, our happiness, or our well-being, um, for that matter. And so what he's saying is, it's it, it it's not that. Um, it's a sin for us to uh, love those things, but it's a mistake. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, you know, it's a, it, it's kind of a mistake of levels. That's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. A mistake of levels, mistaking one level of uh, reality for another. Mm -hmm. That superimposition. You know, somehow thinking that things that are temporary are going to bring us. Um, happiness or uh, well-being that is unchangeable and um 
you know, it's just natural that we do that. We look outside of ourselves, you know, if we're dealing with a health issue, um, you know, we're sort of conditioned to think about, you know, going to the doctor and finding some cure, um, which is, you know, can be helpful. Um, but, you know, ultimately we, un we need to understand that it is the self that is the source of our health. And, um, and, and so even a doctor who has the, the pills and, and you know, this being a doctor yourself, um, right. cannot heal, can only support conditions in which the self can bring forth the healing. So our real health, our real wealth is the divine self. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that, you know, when you look at it from a medical perspective, I'm almost so struck at, you know, vitality, which, you know, physicians, I think, recognize it's very important, but I don't think there's very much, you know, in the physician's armamentarium to really help people <laughs> improve. I mean, yes, you know, eat right, you know, get mm -hmm. some exercise, that kind of thing. But um, I agree, as uh, you said, that the true source is our uh, innermost, innermost source, innermost self. And yeah, we've been dealing with a medical model for so many years in the West that splits off the spiritual life from the life of the body. And that's a big problem. Um, and, you know, I, I find now that, you know, some medical doctors today are kind of letting it creep into their practice, you know, almost like sheepishly, right? You know, they'll be, they'll, they'll mention meditation or, you know, yeah. uh, working with energy, um, but it's kind of like, they know they're not supposed to do that, but they don't know what else to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so it's that it's the split, you know, that, and then people, you know, sometimes can just keep searching and searching and searching, you know, one thing after the next. Um, so whether it's health or relationship or prosperity, it's, um, yes, go ahead and, you know, find what is supportive of your health, of your healing, of love, of wellness, but do not forget that your own divine self is the source of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I liked what you said about the levels, you know, it's confusion mm -hmm. of levels, you mm -hmm. know, so I think that's helpful. So in the last chapter of your book, The Jewel of Abundance, you describe a space of possibility, um, that's page 260 to 261. So can you say more about this space of possibility, which turns out to be us, the space of possibility? <laughs> yeah, in that, in that chapter I wrote, uh, what is your vision of possibility? You know, what is your dream? We move in the direction of our dreams by claiming them, declaring them, as outrageous or as simple as they may be. Then we support that dream with our wealth, with our means. Um, between the present need and where we stand is a space of possibility for life's prospering power to come forth. And we are that space of possibility. So here I'm really talking about, um, you know, make room in your life for your dreams, mm -hmm. for your vision. Um, so often I think people get kind of beaten down in life and they just begin to settle for a life that is um, less than optimum. And um, when you can hold to your dream of possibility and we all have them, then there's a space, you know, for life to come in 
and um, do what it does um, to bring forth uh, opportunity um, to thrive and to prosper. So our dreams, what we see as possible, you know, so many times, you know, we have a desire, we want something. And, you know, uh, the guru of Paramahansa Yogananda said, if you have a desire for something and um, it's not yet created, the universe will bring it to you. And so I can think about, you know, the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, where I've been serving for many years. And it is a beautiful place um, to find peace, you know, to meditate, to be together with people um, from so many different backgrounds, you know, different ethnicities, um, different gender orientation, different religious backgrounds. And they're all coming together and sitting in the silence, communing with God in the silence of their souls. Then the children are, are, are going to classes. They're finding a positive message about the truth of their being. This was my dream, you know, and, um, and what I want to say is it's what I wanted. You know, I wanted that for myself um, because I, you know, couldn't find uh, the place where I wanted to go that that had that mystical depth, that had God in it, you know, or not, you know, for people who are not inclined towards that way of seeing um, the infinite. Um, so it's an amazing place. And, you know, for me, it was a vision of possibility, but it came from paying attention to what I wanted. So if you have a dream, and I'm sure that you do in your heart about something you want that you can't quite see, you haven't found, then hold to that dream because, uh, Life will direct your path and open it up for you to cooperate with bringing that dream forth. Yeah, it's really, really beautiful. Thank you. So you close the book with the Bhagavad Gita's culminating verses. So what are those verses and why did you choose them to end your book? And they're actually on the, the outline. So, Yeah, and um, of course, the Bhagavad Gita... Um, ends with Arjuna um, saying, you know, my confusion uh, is now removed. My doubts are removed. And now I will live in accordance with your word, and meaning he's going to live in accordance with um, higher truth, with divine direction. And uh, so, you know, in the beginning of the story, he, he was despairing about how hard it seemed <laughs> to do what he was here to do. And then the book is, the, you know, all the uh, instructions from Lord Krishna about how to be in the world um, and, and keep your spiritual ground and some very practical ways of, of doing that, you know, mm -hmm. learning to meditate, learning how not to be attached to particular outcomes, um, you know, beautiful, beautiful teachings. And so at the end of all that teaching, you know, Arjuna says, okay, you know, this is my confusion is cleared up and now I'm going to go forward um, just 
with divine guidance. And he says, you know, I rejoice uh, again and again. I rejoice again and again. And uh, so I thought that was really the perfect conclusion um, for this book on prosperous living, you know, that if we can clear up our confusion about and our doubts about whether or not it's okay for us to prosper and still be a spiritual person, I find, you know, when I'm traveling that, you know, one of the you know, one of the issues that comes up for so many people is this idea of worthiness, like somehow, somewhere along the way, they got the message that they were not worthy, you know, to have the the, the life that they desire. And um, so, you know, that's one of the confusions that gets cleared up. Um, you know, you are a divine being, and you're here, um, according to divine plan and purpose. So, you know, this is the end of the book says, okay, let us rejoice in living this divine life that we're here to live. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So um, we've come to the end of uh, the book, and this is our last uh, conversation that's going to be focused on the jewel of abundance. So what's next for you? What's coming up next? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think right now I'm um, I'm dedicated, of course, to more writing. Um, this is what a writer does, and so I'm not exactly certain what that next focus will be. But I have been um, putting together many online courses, and there is an Arta course um, that is Arta 365. So it's a year-long program, an immersive program um, that goes along with the book. Um, so that you can dive into these practices and have ongoing support. You know, there's a weekly lesson. So I'm writing those lessons as I go along and staying in touch with people who are walking this path of how to thrive and prosper and uh, also working on putting my uh, other book, Living the Eternal Way, uh, online, you know, into an online course as well. So um, that's what's right in front of me right now. That's what I know. Great. Looking forward, looking forward to, uh, the online course. Um, so we've got about a minute, a little over a minute, maybe a minute and a half. So in closing, what words of inspiration or encouragement would you like to leave with our listeners? And I think that the, fundamental truth for all of us is that we are here to thrive and to prosper and to succeed in life in the highest way. And I, you know, can, as you ask me for those words of inspiration, I just see my, my guru's face. I see his smile. I see him looking at me and I see him saying to me, you can do it. Mm. And meaning um, you can live in the highest way. You can awaken spiritually. You can awaken fully in this lifetime. And you can make the contribution that you're here to make. And so to all of the listeners, I would say I have that same faith in you um, because I have um, faith in the infinite, which is your life. Mm. Lovely. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Yoga Hour, 
It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the show, and we've been discussing Prosper and Keep Your Soul with the Yoga Hour's founder and host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Yogacharya O'Brien is an internationally acclaimed spiritual teacher, author, poet, and founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. Today, we've been discussing her wonderful book, The Jewel of Abundance, Finding Prosperity Through the Ancient Wisdom of Yoga. Thank you so much for this conversation, Yogacharya. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you, Dr. Trujillo. It's really been wonderful. And um, again, congratulations to us on entering our 10th year of uh, the Yoga Hour podcast. So um, deep appreciation to you and uh, to uh, Reverend Ann Hayes and her background support of all the programs and those who have supported the Yoga Hour um, uh, program over the years and all of our listeners, uh, deep bows, pranams, thank you so much. For those interested in meeting Yogacharya O'Brien in person, she she continues to teach and travel, and from September 22nd to 29th, she'll be in Italy, then in Germany from October 4th to 6th. She'll also be in Southern California on October 18th and 19th at the Soul of Yoga in Encinitas. You can find out more about these upcoming events from her author website, ellengraceobrien.com. Join me next time when our guest will be Kay Lindahl, the author of Practicing the Sacred Art of Listening. We'll be discussing how practicing deep listening to ourselves, to our source, and to each other can be the key to healthy relationships and spiritual transformation. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're enjoying the podcast, share it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team. Our guest today, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producer Anne Hayes. CSE's Global Media Outreach Manager, Holly Gray, and Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.